thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we will be talking about ghosts in the schoolyard, our thoughts, our observations. Uh, you'll be hearing from me, Alex Dom. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. And also... Hi, this is Matthew, he, him. This is Elle, I use they, them pronouns. This is Elena, I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Sarah, and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm San, and I also use she, her pronouns. With reading Ghosts in the Schoolyard, I think one of the biggest plot points that stood out for me were when we were discussing the Diet High School in Bronzeville and how administration, when telling students that the school was failing, were saying that the school was too far gone and kind of what the psychological impact that would be. That's something that's been on my mind. Yeah, it's frustrating to see how people are not willing to invest in quote-unquote failing schools, but then will invest in new schools that are built in areas in which these failing schools um, exist. CPS calling the superintendent. This, oh, what's the word? The, the CEO. That, yeah. Capitalism. It kind of just shows how it, it just isn't in their best interest to be there for the communities in which these schools exist and to, and to actually invest in them and, and to actually like help students who exist in these communities, but it's just basically a part of like how they can benefit and like their own agendas on what they want to do in terms of like sacrificing these communities of black and brown people. Yeah, and I think Sana is touching on who decides how we intervene with these quote-unquote failing schools. But even before that, who decides and how do we decide that a school is underperforming? There's a lot of uncertainty in, around that. Yeah, even, even just the, uh, the language of a failing school. You know, unquestionably there was failure, but that it was on the part of CPS, that it was on the part of the city in terms of where they wanted to build schools and to whom they were supposed to serve and who was allowed to live in what community. But when they march it out with this BS process and make it look like it was some sort of objective assessment of where success was and where failure was in the city, it puts the blame squarely on these communities. And if they need to close schools like this there's a right and a wrong way to do things but like this it could have been done in a way that did not have that sort of assignment of blame to the victims of, of the process yeah and the location specifically in the city where the most um school closures were taking place for black and brown areas there was a statistic that was 80 percent of school closures in 2013 were majority black and for that to happen and it for to blatantly attack these school closures to attack communities of color and then for Barbara Bird Bennett to come out and say, I know what racism is or is not when when parents were talking about how the process is racist is a kind of gaslighting way to keep parents silent and to keep teachers and students silent. And I, I think that also just like goes into how both Bird Bennett and other administrators came at these closing schools with 
facts and numbers and therefore completely undermine the real emotional and psychological damage that was happening to these communities because of their actions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That quote was so frustrating, saying, I know what racism is and isn't, when CPS has for years been systematically underdeveloping and underpaying these black and brown schools, and then blaming the victims, like saying it's their fault, you're failing. Oh, so frustrating. And it's like, it's not about you. You know, it, it, this isn't about whether you individual person are a conscious racist that you that, that, that you necessarily espouse bigoted views and want to apply them you know this is this is about whether the system is you know wrought with racism in its foundation it was a shame to see the extent to which ego was was so wrought into the process as well Racism has in so many ways been protected for a very long time by the sort of chilling power of its own taboo. And the fact that it is worse to call somebody a racist than it is to engage in racist practices. And that certainly insulated the process here as well. When, when, when race was uh, mentioned as an element of these decisions, it was seen as instigating somehow. Um, rather than just speaking the truth. Kind of jumping backwards to what Elle and Elena were talking about, victim blaming, there was a quote, I can't remember exactly what it was, but something like, how can the people in charge of supporting and funding us close us for being undersupported and underfunded? I think I was also trying to think of that same quote, Sarah. It's like the same people that will take everything you have from you will then blame you for not having anything. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things in this book when you kind of go through and hear all of the hearings. Uh, for this podcast, you can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes with my fingers about these hearings in air quotes is that the decision was very much made long before they invited the public to comment on this. It was very evident that the numbers they were pulling from about efficiency or enrollment numbers or utilization percentages for classrooms that were being treated as objective facts about like, they're just, they're just lower than the numbers we need. That's objective, that's not racist, that's not biased, it's not feelings-based, it's just the way it is. And it was very clear that by using these kind of fake uh, aloofness and objectivity that they were just, the meeting itself was a sham. Like it was frustrating to listen to, just they'd made their decision. They knew it was gonna happen. The parents knew, the students knew. Yeah, and like in discussing those like in air quotes hearings that you just mentioned, there was so clearly a lack of care towards the communities that were putting themselves on the line for the preservation of this diet high school. That the hunger strikes that were happening, and there was a quote that was that someone involved um, in the hunger strike said the mayor would leave us out there to die if the hunger strike had continued because it had stopped because of obviously the danger and the idea of officials not caring about communities that they're supposed to be benefiting with these decisions. All of these decisions are made with this pretty like mask of, oh, we're doing this because these schools don't help the students. We're doing this because this school is in air quotes underutilized and it's not for the benefit of the students or the teachers. And then 
they turn around and don't care about anyone who lives there. It's all a money ploy. They even frame them like a series of conversations. You know, it's not a series of conversations because it's, you know, conversations, you know, each side is listening to the other and there's some sort of opportunity for that input to have an impact. This was, was, was not that. Maybe to some extent it was informed, but it really was just sort of open forums for an airing of grievances. But we're going to make our decision and you can vent about it if you want to and you can get your hopes up about having some sort of potential impact on what we're doing, but we're doing it. And, and, and here's just sort of like another opportunity to feel like a failure because now you've tried this and this failed too. And we're gonna cover our butts by going through the machinations and the choreography of due process without actually giving a damn because we, we have the design put together and we worked our way back from that and came up with these random numbers where we're setting the thresholds uh, that give us the result that we want. I feel like this also um, can open up a conversation about like capitalism and in, in, corporate, which is also incorporated into white supremacy in this country and how like these board members and these leaders in, in this movement don't really focus on the humanity behind this at all, but only focus on, on how they can actively benefit from cutting these schools and we, we see this in, in a racist way as well, where, where but the bodies of people of color are not as humanized as the bodies of white people, and therefore their struggle and their wants and, and, and their needs are not taken into consideration. And the, the only really um, combative like idea they have to that is to point out these numbers and say that like, you know, according to like this and this and this, like this is what's right. And I feel like it's it's purely from like a business perspective and what can really help for them and and how they frame it is that they they act as if this is what's technically best for the community and this is what's technically best for people in terms of how to like progress themselves. But there's no focus on community and community values and what's really good for that community and listening to them. So I feel like this could also lead into a conversation about that. Yeah, I, I think that Sana's brought up a lot of points that are important. And when we're looking at what metrics they are judging these schools by, they are very much capitalistic metrics. They are very much white supremacist metrics. They are clearly being unfairly you know, utilized as well. Like, you know, we looked at, I think Matthew mentioned earlier about how test scores, other schools that weren't closed, that had essentially the same test scores or very marginally different test scores were not being closed because they didn't have as high black or brown student ratios. So there's just clear bias in how that's applied. It kind of got me thinking, we were thinking of all these ways that schools are being unfairly measured for closings, whether they're arbitrarily or unfair, or we don't think is representational of what students and communities need, what would be better ways to judge the success? If we're talking about it's an unfair way to judge failure, what would be a better way to judge the success of a school? You need to be asking faculty, students, and parents about the success of the school because like they will have things to say like they will be honest they will say like these are the issues that need to be solved but they also know like but here are where we are succeeding and that's they weren't doing that they were taking what they saw as unbiased data which we know not to be true and just running with it yeah i think when i think about 
the idea of underutilization, I immediately think of like the assembly line and capitalism and like everyone has to be working at 100% all the time for something to be successful. What we're creating with schools is we're supposed to be like fostering learning. We're supposed to be helping students to develop and grow and learn for, them, for themselves. And I think even if there's a lot of students who are failing or a lot of students who have low test scores, that doesn't mean that a school is a failure. There are other kids who are benefiting from that education. There maybe needs to be a way to assess reasons why there are failures. Just on test paper, you can't say like, you can't see why it is that a student is failing to just say that there are, there are high failure rates. I think the issue with the idea of underutilization is really that issue of this capitalist mentality that we have to be churning out, quote, successful students one after another in order for a school to be a successful place of learning. I think to really be able to fairly measure the success of a school, you need to go back and look at what the school is being provided. You can't consider the the measurement to be accurate if some schools aren't being treated as equals to others and aren't receiving the same benefits. So it's it's kind of an impossible question to answer when they, they all have different opportunities. Yeah, if, if, if schools are being closed because they're under-resourced, they are not failing, they are being failed. They are being failed by a broader system. And if it's the broader system that's failing, then the fact that some schools are doing disproportionately better in their assessment is equally a part of that broader failure. The notion that uh, they might have to close some schools then to address whatever the broader problem is, isn't about which schools are doing poorly even. It's about how do we as a system address the failures that we have made. It's not like, oh, where have our numbers fallen short and we're gonna blame it on you and that's how we're gonna close the schools. It's, you know, where are we failing communities and how can we address that? Yeah, and to bring it back to the Diet High School, just several years prior, the school had been labeled too far gone, that there are some schools that are too far gone to save and that it was underutilized. And when the opportunity posed to make it a magnet school, suddenly administration was all over it and wanted to re reinvent the school in that regard, but not make it a public school and have it be accessible to the communities that were benefiting from enrolling in the school prior then administration had the gall after all of the protesting and the hunger strikes from people in that in Bronzeville and in that after they saw the school be returned to a public school and not as a magnet school these administrations said oh good job like this is a big win for your community when they had tried to do something that so blatantly negatively impacted that community and wasn't being done for the good of those students for the good of those families or the teachers that were in those schools. Yeah, and in, in terms of the, the idea of the failing school, I agree with, the, with, with what everyone said, and that it's failing only because, like, really they haven't been able to be supplied the utilities and the, the resources that so many other schools are given. 
in this like cycle of poverty if it is a failing school it's only failing due to the lack of like attention it's been given what they do in the book to fix it is messed up like like they just erase the school altogether which causes institutional mourning but what i think a better solution is is for them to go to the school and speak to people who represent the community and the schools themselves and have a discussion and the students, I think, and have a discussion on really how they can help them, what they need, what are they they not getting. And I think that would be a pretty fair way of community intervention and, and actually getting input from the community itself. Well, I appreciate you all kind of giving your input. I know that was a very open-ended question, but I think it's something that as we're teaching, we spend a lot of time thinking about, right? Like we hear a lot about how teachers are failing students, how parents are failing students. I think it's so important, you know, to look at these bigger systemic issues that are happening. Thanks everyone for giving a little bit of input on that, on your thoughts.